The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused. But later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice, so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. How are you? Good. Did anybody write down a question? Yes. I've got a few in here that I received. Does anyone have another one to put in here? I left mine down there. You left it somewhere? Abby, this is the reason you're holding those things. Can you write it down quickly? Do you know what it is? Okay. Use a colored pencil from there. Here, I'll help you. All right. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Yep. All right. We're on the clock, folks. We're on the clock. I'm good. Thank you for asking. Oh, no. You feeling better? Oh, man. That hurts. Yes. Oh. We are just full of bumps and bruises today, aren't we? Oh. Can I have the spare paper? Thank you. Well, for those of you who are wondering, what we do, uh, at least for the next few Sundays, is we have a collection of questions, paper, questions, and a hat. And we're going to select one, and I'm going to do my best to give some kind of answer, or at least musing, on what it could mean. Now, since you asked the question, would you mind drawing one out for us? Just one. All right. Excellent. This question says, why does Pastor Ben wear those stoles around his neck. Ah, why does Pastor Ben wear a stole around his neck? Does anyone know what a stole is? Yes. 
The green thing. See this thing? This is called a stole. Can everybody say stole? Stole. Stole. Now it's not like it's not mine and I stole it. It is, well it's not mine, but it is Trinity's. It belongs to this church and I wear it for a specific reason. Who wants to take a guess as to why I wear the stole? Jack. Yep, that's got something to do with it. It's got to be, do with being a pastor. Uh, Mike. I noticed that you have different colored Ah. Patterns. So there's different color ones throughout the so year. I guess it indicates like what time of year it is. Very good. They do match what time of year it is. Right now we're in the green season, the ordinary season. Ava. And it matches those thingies. Correct. Okay. It matches these things. Very good. Does anyone know what all of these green pieces of cloth and way back there are called? Yes. Uh, close. It starts with a P. Paraments. They're called paraments. And it's, what does paraments mean? It's just kind of a fancy word for the special type of cloth that we set out that shows the color of the season. They also have symbols like mine do. Now, mine have symbols, mine have colors, but why do I wear it? Besides the symbols and the colors. Yes. Who wears a stole? Who wears something like this? Does everybody wear something like this? No. Who? Yeah. The pastor. The pastor. Very good. I don't know if I've seen Jesus wear one. He might. I don't know. I don't know him physically, intimately. So, let me show you. Let me show you. A stole goes around my neck, right? Now, does anybody know what a yoke is? No. And not like in an egg? <laughs> yes. Is it that white thing right there? Uh, almost. Oh, have you ever seen a, a group of horses or oxen pulling a cart or something else like that? You know the thing that goes around their neck so that they can pull it? That's a yoke. Okay. Now, this right here, this is meant to symbolize a yoke. Why would I wear a yoke around my neck? Am I a horse? No. Why would I wear a yoke? It's kind of like Jesus in the Last Supper. Very good. What else? I'm kind thirsty. Because I'm a pastor, we're getting close. Um, we're very close. We're very close. It relates to the colors. We're going to go back to the essence of your answer, Gabriel. The reason that a pastor wears a yoke. Now, I should take a step backwards. When I'm like this, this is almost kind of like what an assisting minister would wear, right? Just a big white robe. Sometimes we see the assisting ministers, the people who kind of like Mr. Bruce Holliball right here. They'll wear a robe, but they won't have a stole. That's like everybody in the church. But the church makes one person in charge of a lot. The church makes one person in charge of uh, reading all of the lessons for the day. The church makes one person in charge of preaching. The church makes one person in charge of being sure that we get as good as possible a understanding of what God is trying to say. And we want to point that person out so that, that we don't get confused. And so I wear something different. 
than everybody else. I wear a stool. Sorry. I'm sorry. So we wear a stool. It is a symbol of the work that I have to do. Now, is this stool very heavy? No. Just like Jesus, the yoke is a burden, but it is easy and light. Now, there's one work that I tell you on a regular basis to do. What is that work? Yeah. Pray. Very good. I want you to be in relationship. I want you to talk with God on a regular basis. Now, we're at the point in our year where we talk about giving from what God has first given us. That's a fancy way of saying, as we take in everything that's around us, as we gain money or produce or anything else, we're to give back some of that. Remember these from last year? These are about the size of an offering envelope. What I want you to do, it's an envelope where you put money that you would like to give back to the church. On this envelope, I have written in the corner how I talk with God. So, this next week, I want you to put whatever money you think you should give back to the church, back to the work of God in this world. Soon. Back to the work of God in this world. And I want you, Anthony, to draw how you talk with God on this envelope. I want you to draw whether you pray, or whether you talk with God throughout the day, or before meals, or during a test, or when things are hard, or when things are happy, or anything else. I want you to draw, draw on it. And then next week, we'll collect those, draw something else on the hat, and relate it back once again. I wear this stole because of my work. You draw and give back because of your work. Sound good? I do a little bit. There we go. So we're going to pass these out very quickly. Make sure everybody gets one. Very good. Nope. Can you pass these three back? There you go. Pass those three back. Should we pray? Yes. We've done a lot of work today. We should pray. Can everybody look at my nose right here? Very good. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for being with us. We give you thanks for the work that you have us do in this world, whether it's being a pastor, whether it's being a son or a daughter, whether it's being a brother, a sister, or a teacher, or a student, or anything else. We give you thanks. Help us to do the best we can in that work. Help us to spend time with you and to give all that we have towards the service of what you do in this world. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for making us your people. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Very good. Just the one. There you go. Yes. Oh, thank you. Nope. Mm-hmm. That's true. At Christmas, it's white. There you go. What are those gummies? 
There you go. Whoa. Pick that up for you. There you go. Very good. You got it? There you go. In the name of Jesus, amen. This text seems a little too simple for me. It seems pretty straightforward, right? There's a woman, a widow, in a town where there's a judge who has no respect for God or anybody else. This person doesn't want to bring justice. This person doesn't want to vindicate her in her trial against her opposition. And so she cries out, day after day, night after night, for this judge to bring justice. And finally, not because he's a good judge, but simply so she will stop bugging him, he grants justice. And Jesus goes on to say, how much more will God, who is good, who is just, bring justice to those, bring help to those who cry out day after day, night after night? Then he's got this little twist at the end. But yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Hmm. Now the teaching seems to be pretty straightforward. Cry out. Day after day, night after night. And the text seems pretty clear. For God will answer those who cry out. Day after day, night after night. There's an issue of faith. There's an issue of relationship here. I think that's easily answered. That relationship, that crying out day after day, night after night, in terms of justice, in terms of help, in terms of what should be going on in the kingdom of God, brings us into relationship with Christ. So I'm done now, right? I mean, 30 seconds. I think I've answered everything. Cry out. Be in relationship with God. Do this on a regular basis. Now is normally where I sit down. Almost, but not yet. You see, when it comes to the justice of God... When it comes to how God acts, we know in prayer that nothing is guaranteed. Well, I shouldn't say nothing. We know in prayer that what we pray for is not guaranteed. If I'm honest, I know that when I have sat with people in this job or simply as a disciple that sometimes I see the miraculous answering of my prayers by the grace and glory of God and peace being brought to people and healing happening miraculously and just the transformation of the way that life is from the moment before to the moment after. I see the power of prayer. But I also know 
that in times when I've prayed for those same things, for the good of those who are suffering, for the good of those who are hungry or lost or confused, for the good of God's people in this world, it seems like nothing happens. I will admit both, because I have seen and experienced both. The issue for me is not whether I believe God to be good or I believe God to be just. It's this whole idea of God quickly and speedily answering on behalf of those who are crying out for help. Sometimes I see it, sometimes I don't. I believe that Jesus is quickly pointing to the bridge between those two things. Between our experience and the claim that God is good and just and will speedily answer. See, Jesus hinges this issue on faith. And as we talked about last week and the week before, faith is that thing of belief mixed with our actions. Here specifically, that crying out, we would attribute to prayer to that communication with God on a regular basis. And sometimes that's with our hands folded and our head bowed, and sometimes that's walking from task to task and chore to chore, and sometimes that's in between breaths, at breaths as we groan and sigh and a little too deep for words. Jesus ties prayer to a relationship with God and an understanding of God's justice. What I think about most, when I consider this relationship, when I think about most, when I consider coming to understand God and who God is and, and what God's doing in this world, I think about my commute to high school. Now, since I don't believe a lot of you were there in my commute to high school, let me explain. Every morning I would wake up junior and senior year, well, most of junior year and all of senior year. And my brother and I, my twin brother and I, would get out to the car, then drive what I believe, if I, my memory serves, was about 13 minutes and 27 seconds to the school. We cut it close from time to time. 13 minutes and 27 seconds to school. Now, a lot of times... We wouldn't talk. There wouldn't be music playing. We wouldn't say anything. It's just nothing. There was dead silence. You could listen to the engine of the car very, very well and everything else going on outside because there was nothing going inside the cabin of that car. Now, it wasn't because we were mad with each other, though sometimes we were. And it wasn't because of the ever-dreaded we accidentally came out to the car dressed looking exactly alike as twins. That was the worst by the way. Let me tell you, there was just, it was just a day of ridicule at that point. And it wasn't because we had nothing to say. Simply, we were tired most of the time. We enjoyed the time of waking up, and we enjoyed the silence. Just time to wrap our brains around what was going on before we stepped into class that day. At the same time that 
my brother and I said nothing to one another. In those years, I knew him very, very well. Because he didn't have to tell me what he was feeling or thinking or experiencing. Simply by being in his presence, I knew what was going on. He didn't have to tell me that he was tired because I could tell by the way he slumped forward. He didn't have to tell me that he was agitated with me because I could tell by the way he just breathed aggressively. He didn't have to tell me when he was happy because I could see a gentle smile even in the morning on his face. He didn't have to tell me when he was sick. He didn't have to tell me when he was scared. He didn't have to tell me a thing. We simply rode 13 minutes and 27 seconds in silence and we knew one another very well. When we spend time with God, we are not guaranteed to understand God's justice. We're not. But when we spend time with God, we will come to trust God. We will come to know God. And God is good. As much as I know. It doesn't have to be ours. It doesn't have to be, just like Matthew 6, 7 says, it doesn't have to be heaps of empty phrases or God knows what we want even before we speak. It simply has to be dwelling with God. The issue of God's justice is not for us to fully understand. Though as we dwell with God, we may come to understand it more. The issue of God's justice is not for us to fully be in control of. Though as we cry out, God will answer. The issue of God's justice is not for us to fully encompass or gather together. Though as we dwell with God, we'll see it more. The issue of God's justice is an issue of faith. Of trust of God being God and us being us. Here in this text today, we have an invitation to dwell with God, to build on the faith given to us by grace, to trust God's justice, whether we see it at times or whether we don't, and to be honest about those things. And ultimately, to come to know God is good. Whether you pray with your hands folded and your head bowed at meals and at certain points in the day, whether you take the hours of the church Catholic and pray them on a regular basis straight out of our hymnal, whether you take Luther's admonition for prayer and wake up in the morning, fall to your knees, pray through the Ten Commandments and the Lord's Prayer and then followed by the creeds, or whether simply you pray in between breaths, in and out, as the tasks of the day accumulate. It's my prayer that you find 13 minutes and 27 seconds, whether on the nose or not, to come to know God 
without saying anything, how God moves and how God goes forward and how God breathes and how God acts. And in that, I believe, we'll come to trust God. May you find God easily in these moments. May God dwell with you deeply. May God answer your prayer speedily. And at the end of the day, may we, God, may we trust God to be God, known and unknown in that justice. Peace be with you. Amen.